We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 10 DraftKings picks and preview for the main slate, the millionaire maker slate. Remember to smash the like button out there and you tell me this week, are you eating the Mike Davis chalk or are you staying away from the Mike Davis chalk? That's all I want to know. Are you playing them or are you fading them? Because we're going to jump into that in a second. Again, main slate only when there's no Christian McCaffrey and you have a starting running back who might get over 80% of the snaps at $4,000, the min you can be on DraftKings at running back on the main slate, but up against Tampa Bay. Is that going to work out or not? I want to hear from you on that because I have some opinions on it. I know that Davis Maddock from DailyRoto.com is going to have some opinions on it as well. But what I do want to let you know about right now, if you're out of your season-long leagues or you just want to up your game in terms of daily fantasy or the betting side, go to FTNDaily.com. Use code Mayo and get all of those premium tools. The ownership projections, the overall projections, the optimizer, everything is up there too. And if you don't want to shell out any bucks, there are free tools up there as well that you can find in the description of this video and podcast. But huge announcement from FTNDaily.com. The NBA early bird package, the full package, it's out right now. If you want to go sign up, you want to get in the game For NBA this season, FTNDaily.com. Code Mayo will get you that discount. It's $176 for the year. $175.99 for the year. That's a dollar a day for the NBA season. The prices are never going to be this low again. Here's what we got. We got NBA on-off splits, which apparently gauge the impact players can have on their team and their teammates. Uh, We have an FTN exclusive feature, which allows you to differentiate impacts when a player does not play in a game or when he is either resting or in the game and see how that impacts everyone else in terms of projections. We're going to have live streaming shows all of the time, content every single day, and the optimizer is never going to be cheaper than it is right now either. If you're serious about playing NBA, highly suggest FTNDaily.com, code Mayo. Get that in ya, okay? I mentioned it. Davis Maddock 
is on the line. What's going on, man? <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're sitting here. Bryson just teed off, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling happy. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful Masters week. I think we have a fantastic slate of NFL DFS games coming up. So we are, uh, we're feeling good, man. We're feeling good. Well, I'm going to hit you with it right now. Mike Davis, 4K, all in or all out? Uh, all in. Yeah, I, I, I think I will probably play 100% of him um, in all of my contests. Uh, the projections right now up at FDNDaily.com and the projections that I do out, which are like, is he going to be good or bad? And I say good. Uh, but I don't know how good is the thing. Like, you can't get away from that price point. He's, the, he's as cheap as he can be, 4000 bucks. Like, who else are you going to find that's better than that down there who's going to play that full complement of snaps? If you were to argue the other side of why you shouldn't play Mike Davis, would it be Bucks D? Great against the run. Maybe Mike Davis is more the Mike Davis that we saw in like the three games before Christian McCaffrey came back. He just wasn't very, very good at all. He was still getting the volume. He just had no productivity whatsoever. Reggie Bonifon also activated from injured reserve. Not that I think that's a huge deal, but I think that's enough to take away 15% of the snaps potentially. Uh, maybe 15%. I think that probably the bigger threat would be Curtis Samuel getting those green zone touches. So third down and in the red zone and stuff, if I was going to take the other side, it wouldn't have to do anything with the results though. It would just be that basically anytime you think the field is going to be rostering, you know, 50% or more of a player just due to in-game injury, bad performance, you know, like if Mike Davis gets 11 points, he's very unlikely to be in the optimal, you know, the millionaire maker winning lineup, the, uh, you know, winner of the, the high stakes single entry tournaments, because there are so many other guys at 4,000, 4,500, whatever, who have the ability to score more points. I think that probably it sets up as a very strong week to use four wide receivers because there are, you know, again, so many wide receivers at 4,000 under 4,000 who have the ability to outscore Mike Davis. So I, I have nothing to say bad about him in terms of what I expect him to do performance wise. I think that, a vast majority of the time he gets 15 or more DraftKings points, but I will probably, yeah. I mean, I, I just am, I just am not trying to get off of him basically. Okay. Is there a, an ownership percentage and let's say a millionaire maker size or not necessarily a millionaire maker size field, but let's say any tournament that has uh, 15,000 or more entries in it. Is there a ownership percentage where he would have to become a fate? Let's say like 70% of people you project are going to play Mike Davis. Would you then take the other side? I, I, so generally speaking, I am not one of these guys who constructs lineups based off of strictly looking at leverage, strictly looking at, you know, what are my opponents doing and how can I do things differently than that? I, I tend to be player projection first, like, like I am thinking, you know, how do I get the best values in my lineups in a way that is, you know, not, not going to be heavily duplicated. So I, I think even at 70%, you know, a lot of my action is going to come in the, you know, the $200, the $100, the $50 single entry tournaments and three max tournaments on DraftKings. And I think that in those fields, the best way to approach things this week is going to be using Mike Davis to gain access to double stacks and bring backs, because that is a way to make yourself more unique rather than just fading Mike Davis. Yeah, that's actually kind of what I lucked into a really nice lineup last week. I ended up coming fifth in the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League, which you can find the link to in the description of this video. That is a three-max tournament, uh, $15 to play, no rake. So it's the best tournament on DraftKings because there's no rake. It's basically the only one that has no rake. I think it might be the only one that has no rake. So there's just more of the money that you enter in the prize pool, and you have to play against jabronis like me in it. So you can definitely beat me, except for last week because uh, I played a bunch of Jordan Howard. 
uh, because he was $4,000. Turns out Jordan Howard wasn't very good, but through osmosis of that, I ended up on a Chiefs-Panthers game stack because I could afford it because he only cost $4,000. It was kind of irrelevant to what Jordan Howard scored. I got access to Kelsey, Hill, Mahomes, and Christian McCaffrey, and that turned out really well for me. So I luckily ended up with the right stack because I ended up using one of these cheap guys for the expensive stack that no one wanted. Exactly. I mean, that right there is what you were saying is the whole thesis behind why if you play Mike Davis, it doesn't even mean that you're locked into a chalky lineup, even if he fails, right? Even if even if Mike Davis gets nine DraftKings points here, but you stack, um, you know, some some relatively low owned team, let's say uh, let's say Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, right? Because Adams will be chalky, but Rodgers will not be. You use a, a DJ Shark bring back there. People are not going to want to play DJ Shark because of Jair Alexander or whatever. Um, and there you just have access to a super high ceiling combo. And you're already talking about, you know, really eliminating uh, overlap and, and cumulative ownership problems in general. Do you think that ownership, especially in NFL <laughs> DraftKings, is wildly overrated? Do I think that... Uh, no, no, I don't think that. I don't think that at all. I think that focusing on heavy ownership spots is super important. Now where it is overrated is going to be on the secondary levels. So, you know, the fourth most owned wide receiver, the third most owned tight end, the fifth most owned running back, that basically doesn't matter at all. I think where you want to look at it mattering is cumulative ownership right where you're talking about you know adding up all of the ownerships in your lineup and seeing them at you know 250 percent that's not good right that that is going to be that is going to put you in a situation where you have to worry about dupes and where you have to worry about just being too closely aligned with all of your opponents and basically flipping 1v1s for you know hundreds of thousands of dollars and another thing is is looking at stack ownerships that to me also does seem pretty important like how many lineups are going to have a combination of Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, that seems like valuable information. I, I can see that. I just think it seems to mean less. Like it, the two sports that I primarily focus on, or three really, MMA, golf, and NFL. And I can assure you that ownership means far less in NFL than it does in those other two. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I think golf is the the sport where ownership is most important. So that is definitely true. Like I would say, it, it's more important in golf than it is in NFL, but it's still very important in NFL. Oh, I, I did want to, I, I listened to your re- most recent episode of the TakeCast. Everyone should subscribe to the TakeCast audio podcast, by the way. Thought it was one of your best ones ever. With, uh, with doubt? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that I think that the best take casts are, uh, you know, when I shut the fuck up and just have someone who's a lot smarter than me on to talk. I, I generally think that those are the best episodes and uh mr doubt very sharp very intelligent so uh i would encourage anyone who has you know a, a passing interest in gambling poker dfs any of those things to uh to give it a listen yeah take cast go sub to it right now on apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast just like you should for the pat mayo experience by the way if you're just watching the video version of this sub to the audio podcast download the episodes even if you don't listen to them it helps out rate and review as well Full running back slate. So we'll, we talk about Mike Davis. Let's go to the top. Alvin Kamara is now the most expensive of the running backs because Christian McCaffrey is not going to play. He's only 8200 bucks. Then you got Aaron Jones, James Conner, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, James Robinson, 
Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, who looks like he's going to return. Chase Edmonds down to $6,300. We're iffy on whether or not Chris Carson is going to play or not. Um, and then you got Joe Mixon, Boston Scott, Daryl Henderson, Bryson DeChambeau missing two-foot putts. That's always fun, Davis. I'm watching it live as we go right now. At the top, what are we doing here? So brutal. Yeah, it's not great. Um, I'm worried about this San Francisco and New Orleans game for whatever reason. This smells like such a trap game to me. Well, you know, the the 49ers offense is going to come in with Nick Mullins, Ross Dwelly, J- uh, Jamichael Hasty, and Richie James Jr., right? So it's it's not the full-strength 49ers offense. I actually saw a great tweet yesterday that, uh, you know, from that, that great shootout Saints 49ers game last year, there is one starting player left on offense for the 49ers, and uh, he's playing for the Saints. It's Emmanuel Sanders. So... I am not super interested in that game holistically. However, I, I think that Alvin Kamara looks like a guy who is going to be, I mean, I, I would not be surprised to see him like two or 3% owned in some of these contests. I think that, you know, a huge chunk of the field is going to be playing Mike Davis and Duke Johnson. I think Aaron Jones looks like a guy who is going to be super, super popular and, and a great play, right? Like, I, I don't think there's any reason not to play him. Uh, it does sound like Nick Chubb is going to be back, but if he's not, Kareem Hunt is going to garner a lot of ownership. I think that Josh Jacobs is always popular. Uh, you, you just can't get people off of him in general. So it's kind of lining up to a, a slate for me where we're going to see really low ownership on Kamari's coming off of the bad, not bad game, but just the, the only 15 points last week against Tampa Bay. I think that, um, you know, obviously outside of Devonte Adams, Kamari just has the highest ceiling of any player on the slate. And, I, I think he looks like a, you know a, a fantastic play overall. Do you, do you worry about the ceiling with Michael Thomas being back? That the I don't know fifteen target game just is not going to materialize with Michael Thomas on the field. Uh, I actually am more concerned for Michael Thomas than I am for Alvin Kamara. Yeah, like I, I think that Thomas's role from twenty nineteen is more in jeopardy than. Um, than Kamara's role is. I think that I think that as currently constituted, the Saints need Kamara more than they need Thomas. Maybe we just—I mean, it's hard to gauge because Kamara, the two games that he's played with Michael Thomas healthy have been both against Tampa Bay. That it's just that's not a great gauge of what's going on. Oh for, yeah, that's weird. Okay, and for whatever reason, the Saints own the Bucks, uh, but they are one of the better run defenses in the league, and obviously Kamara's upside is pretty much derived through goal line touchdowns and receiving game. I, I just worry that in a situation where maybe they're not up by 35 points the entire time. I know Kamara got yanked in that game uh, for, for Latavius Murray and then Dwayne Washington at one point, but I don't know. I don't know if the overall volume of touches is going to be there. And we, it's not like he's going to be dropped back into a split situation with Latavius Murray, but he might just not get that bulk volume we were seeing from weeks two to seven. Um. So I, the, the, basically the reason I disagree is because I think the Saints offense is different than it was last year. I think that Drew Brees, like even like the, those 15-yard outs that Michael Thomas is so good at, I think those are harder throws for him to make. And I think that in competitive game scripts, um, you know, we're going to see – like we saw it in the Chicago game, right, when – Drew Brees literally could not push the ball down the field. We saw Alvin Kamara get 13 targets in that game. Like I, I think that those short throws to Kamara are basically the bread and butter of their offense. And I, I think that in, to some degree that has kind of replaced the, the eight yard slants to Michael Thomas. I guess the issue would be 
looking at it right now. And San Francisco is still, although they're missing a ton of people, pretty good against the run still. So you have to hope he really gets it done through the air. That is it worth the price discrepancy? Like there's a reason I don't think two, three percent owned is going to be what Kamara comes in at. People are going to see Kamara with McCaffrey out. Anyone who allocated salary for Christian McCaffrey is just going to be like, oh, you just save a thousand bucks and go down to Kamara. Everyone else is looking at it that, wow, he's like a thousand dollars more expensive than the next highest running back. That maybe it's just more prudent. The, I, with Mike Davis opening up at $4,000, doesn't that make the ownership on Elvin Kamara go back up because people can afford him now? So the reason why I would disagree with that is I think that people would rather play Devonte Adams. They have, you know, obviously a better recent memory, right? Because we, we it's been six weeks now without an Alvin Kamara explosion. Uh, we have a very popular narrative that all of the Jacksonville corners are out injured and um, there are better cheap running back options than there are cheap wide receiver options. Like we have Duke Johnson, we have Chase Edmonds, we have Mike Davis, we might have um, Ryan Null, right? Like as, we, as someone Ryan, who's going to garner a little. We, we will not have Ryan Null. Is Ryan Null? Oh, he's not on the slate. He's on yeah, Monday night. Okay. Right. Uh, so, well, there we go. That was my, I think of all the times we've ever done this show together, I think that was the first time I ever brought someone in from one of the primetime games into the main slate. So basically the theory there is people would rather play these cheap running backs than they would play, you know, Jakeem Grant or Jalen Rager or Cole Beasley or Richard Higgins or Henry Ruggs or whatever. So that leads people to playing the cheaper running backs and the more expensive wide receivers. So if it's not Kamara and let's say, let's start with Jones right now. It sounds like you're in on Kamara. Would Aaron Jones be a leverage play in the spot with everyone using Devontae Adams, thus thinking that maybe they don't use Adams and Jones in the same lineup? Or would you just go even cheaper than that? Like, should we be targeting Nick Chubb? against the worst run defense in the league in his first game back. I, I feel like people are going to be pensive about playing them because they don't know what his role is going to be, what the splits are going to be. But if he's actually healthy, he should just run train over the Texans. I'm, I'm with that. I think that basically it looks like the, the best value every single week this year are just these good running backs in elite offenses or at least elite offensive situations who are coming back from injury. We saw Dalvin Cook do it. Um, my guess is that we are going to see Miles Sanders do it against the Giants this week. Like, I, I think we see Chubb come back and see, you know, minuscule ownership. So, uh, you know, I, I would uh, I would be very in on that play in a theoretical sense. I guess I haven't gotten down to building my all my teams out yet this week. I don't know how much personally I would play Chubb. I'd probably prefer Aaron Jones even at whatever he projects at. But, you know, the guy I most want to play is like I, I would play 100% Chase Edmonds this week if uh, Kenyon Drake does not play, though that looks 50-50 at this point. Uh, I don't think that Drake is going to end up playing. That's just going to be such a popular game stack. Do you think that Edmonds is the one who is omitted from those stacks because he burned everyone last week? Yeah, I mean, we just that that's just very that's just kind of the nature of of how players react is they see they see that he did poorly last week. Uh, you know, a lot of people are going to be interested in playing Kyler. A lot of people interested are going to be playing the wide receivers in that game. So I, I think that we see, you know, again, a good discount on the ownership for Chase Edmonds. And, and to me, he looks like the, the best play of the week, period, if Kenyon Drake does not play. You would play him over playing Miles Sanders at $100 more. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I think that. Boston Scott played well enough to earn, let's say, let's say 25% of the snaps, which is kind of the role that he was playing anyways before 
Uh, Miles Sanders also doesn't have a lock on the goal line work there. Uh, you know, actually kind of similar to Chase Edmonds, actually. But I, I think Sanders looks like a very good play. But I think that Edmonds looks like a guy. I mean, Edmonds had the most touches and the most snaps of any running back in football last week. And I, I don't think they're going to start playing Jonathan Ward all of a sudden. Fair enough, but couldn't you make the same argument for, let's say, James Robinson against the Packers, who have a significantly worse run defense? Um, yeah, probably. I guess the issue is, is you know, we just think that probably the the Jaguars are going to be losing that game by a lot of points, and it might be something like we had last week, where, uh, yeah, against Houston, he had twenty five. I mean, he had twenty seven touches, a touchdown, and still only got sixteen. So I guess maybe he ran bad last week. I would say they are comparable plays, right, in terms of their projection and their projected ownership. But the the total in that Buffalo Arizona game is much higher. The one I'm really, and the game stack in general, that I'm really kind of iffy on, and a lot of it has to do with uh, Ben Roethlisberger, who's on the COVID list, but it's like the fake news COVID list where he's probably most definitely going to play on Sunday, so I'm not too concerned about him. James Conner seems overpriced at $6,900. This is a terrific matchup for him he got his he got banged his knee got banged up against dallas last week and that entire team looked off the week before wasn't a great game uh against the ravens but that's still one of the tougher defenses around that you can go against the bengals are not and before those two games he was averaging around 22 touches a game in a high potent offense that if you can get touchdown luck with him where they run it from the three yard line instead of giving a reverse to chase claypool you could run really hot with james connor i think you could run really hot with James Conner. I think the problem I have with him is they are just very committed to playing empty formations at this point, you know, playing all four of their wide receivers plus Eric Ebron. Ray Ray McLeod saw a season high in snap share last week. Like, I, I don't think they need James Conner to win. And, may, you know, maybe they do get up 14 points and they just ride him. Obviously, he does have, you know, multi-touchdown upside. He had the 100-yard game back against Cleveland in their last blowout. I, I would say of the guys in this range, you know, we're looking at James Conner. We're looking at potentially Nick Chubb. We have James Robinson. We have Miles Sanders. We have, uh, you know, maybe Chase Edmonds. Conner is probably the one I'm least likely to play myself. Okay. Mixon on the other side of the ball with him potentially coming back. I don't think he's going to garner any interest against this good defense. The one I'm kind of uh, torn on here, 6,200 bucks. Let's say Chris Carson's active against the Rams. Feels like no one's going to own him. That's a later game, too. You can late swap onto him. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, that is really strong to me because we expect a lot of points to be scored in that game. Um, DJ Dallas did not play very well last week. Travis Homer is, is you know, just kind of a perennial NFL backup. So I, I think Carson, if he's healthy, could come back into a huge role. I think the issue is it, it looks like he is still pretty banged up at this point. I don't believe he has returned to practice at all for them yet. But if he is able to be active and he is able to play, I mean, you're talking about a guy who literally is going to come in at, at 1% ownership in a lot of contests. Yeah, and we've seen that the kind of banged-up Seattle running back has done this on late swap before. Who was it Thomas Rawls against Cincinnati? Won everyone the money that week? Uh, yeah, yeah. That is a very, very sharp memory there, Pat. I, I remember because I actually Dink, Dink texted me. He was like, you should do this. I was like, all right, I'm losing anyway. Might as well do it. And then all of a sudden I was winning. There we go. This is fantastic news. Uh, 5K That's, range. I mean, doesn't get better than that. No, yeah. yeah. When someone sharp texts you something, it's not like me texting you something. Like when sharp people text me things, I'm like, yeah, I should probably take this advice and go with this. 5K region. 
Raheem Mostart is still technically on injured reserve, but there is a chance that he can come back this week against the Saints. I don't have a ton of interest there, but he'll be like 0% owned. Uh, But Gibson, although he has the shoulder injury, is shaping up to be one of the chalkiest plays here. You keep mentioning Duke Johnson. Uh, He is $5,000. That is a pretty fantastic spot for him if he garners the same amount of work that he did last week. But what would you set an over-under on his snap share in this game? Because last week they had no other alternatives once David Johnson went out. And David Johnson hasn't officially been ruled out yet. We just don't expect him to play. So let's say David Johnson is out. Now all of a sudden you have Duke Johnson, but they can promote people from the practice squad. You have CJ Prosites could eat into his receiving work. Um, there's just a few other names that you can now promote. That could, It's like the Seattle thing, where when it was just DJ Dallas, he got 80% of the touches with everyone else hurt. Last week when you look at it, it's like, oh, they promoted Alex Collins. Oh, they have Travis Homer, and he's healthy again now that it's just a three-way split. Like, do you worry about Duke Johnson from that regard? Because I do. Um, yeah, I think that to answer your question on the over-under, I think I'd set it at 65% of the snaps, and I think that it would be pretty performance-based in-game. So if Duke Johnson is playing well, I think he could well exceed that. If he is playing poorly, I think we could see, uh, you know, six to seven touches, something like that for CJ Procise. Maybe they get Buddy Howell in there a little bit. And the, and the other thing is, obviously, is, you know, that he could just – he could play this whole game, get 15 carries and get three targets. But if Deshaun Watson, you know, scores the team's lone rushing touchdown or whatever at the goal line, then you're looking at Duke Johnson as, as a pretty thin play at 5k. So I, I actually think there is a much better argument to not play Duke Johnson in tournaments, as opposed to Mike Davis, even though personally, I do still plan on playing a lot of Duke Johnson in tournaments. I guess my pushback on Duke Johnson, where I know that maybe Mike Davis takes a little bit of the heat off of him, where he has now just opened up so much salary that you probably don't need to play the two of them. But initially, Duke Johnson was lining up to be the chalky running back of the week. And frankly, David Johnson is like $300 more than this every week and has an 80% snap share and sucks every week. So like, why wouldn't Duke Johnson? Well, because Duke Johnson is is more efficient, right? Like I, yeah, I but, that, but, but, that's but, but, but is he, but is he only more efficient because he only gets eight touches a game? Well, I, I think the argument would be Duke Johnson is more efficient because he does not have the same insane injury history that David Johnson does. You know, David Johnson has basically played one full NFL season in his career. And, and, you know, he looks like a guy who just moves much slower. And, you know, maybe that's just, you know, classic old man bias for me. Like basically once you're older than 25 in the NFL, I'm pretty over you, but to me, and I think Duke might even be older than 25. Yeah, actually, I, was gonna say, but, I, th- but, I think, I think Duke Johnson might be older than David Johnson. He, I mean, honest to God, he really might be. It feels like Duke Johnson has been a backup running back in the NFL for like a decade at this point. Duke Johnson born September 23rd, 1993. David Johnson born 1990. He is two years younger than uh, David Johnson. So there you go. And he's he's Uh, he's significantly younger than David Johnson, Canadian politician, who was born in 1945, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. So my my argument would be I – I would be project. I mean, we are at Daily Roto projecting Duke Johnson to be, you know, marginally more efficient. But then also, you're talking about like Duke Johnson has a way higher snap share upside than David Johnson does. Like, like literally, he could play like 90% of the snaps. This could be like a Mike Davis the first week after Christian McCaffrey type thing. Now, we are not projecting it that way. We are giving Procise some work. We are giving uh, Buddy Howell like a couple carries. But I do think. I do think that that Duke Johnson has a sh- like a lot of upside at 5K if he literally just plays the whole game. 
Maybe. My one thing with these Texans running backs, just because it has not materialized, is that Deshaun Watson doesn't check down. Like, they're not involved in the receiving game the way that you would want. And listen, we're arguing about a $5,000 player. $5,000, he's a good value. I'm not going to say that he's not. But I think that there's a way that you can get off of him a lot easier than you can get off of Mike Davis at $4,000 just by using other players in this range. Like, there's a 50% chance, I'd say you flip a coin, that DeAndre Swift outscores him this week, who's like $300 more, and no one's going to use him. 100%. I mean, that is that is the entire argument for getting off of Duke Johnson. And and that is, again, why I think that he looks like a stronger fade. Obviously, that means he's going to come with I I mean, Duke Johnson will be one fourth the ownership of uh, Mike Davis. But I mean, just I mean, there are so many guys here. We have Zach Moss. We have DeAndre Swift. You're not going to use Zach Moss. You're just not. I might use Zach Moss. I might use him. I guarantee you you're not using Zach Moss. I mean, again, I have not built anything out yet, but to me, Zach Moss looks like the primary goal line guy there, and he also looks like insane leverage off of Josh Allen, Diggs, Kyler Murray, Chase Edmonds, and all of those guys, because if Zach Moss gets there, it's likely that that's kind of a gross game, and that Buffalo runs far more than the markets are anticipating. I wouldn't say that he's the primary goal line back. I would say that Josh Allen is. Well, that's fair, but I mean, he does have uh, four touches inside of the 10-yard line over their last two games, which is, I, I think, more than Singletary has ever had in a two-game sample this season. Oh, listen, the, the argument is not Zach Moss versus Devin Singletary. It's Zach Moss versus all these other guys in this range, mm-hmm. if you want to go down here. I just, he he has, the, I, unlike, I already, un, unlike <laughs> these other guys, he has the potential to kill your lineups. Yeah, I mean, I already know the guy you like here. I mean, you're just, you are chomping at the bit to just be like, give me this J.D. McKissick. I need more J.D. McKissick. I want access to all the J.D. McKissick. I was thinking about it, but I think I'd rather play Swift. Or I would just pay up for Gibson. Just I think they're, J.D. McKissick just legit doesn't score touchdowns. I think if you were playing like a 50-50 or a double up, and you don't need to do it this week because you have a better pay down option in Mike Davis with a much safer floor to begin with. But most weeks, McKissick's like 4,600 bucks and he's a lock for eight targets. Like he's going to get you double digit points. It's just, he's only going to get you like 14 points. Um, yeah. I mean, he could score, right? JD McKissick could always score a touchdown. And if he scores, has he ever talked about that? Let's actually, you know what? This is a, this is a good, line for us to guess right here let's guess right now jd mckissick career touchdowns what do you think i would say two two all right i will go because he's been in the nfl for a long time i'm gonna go i'm gonna go four all right let's see here i'm pulling it up right now Uh, by the way if you just google ftn fantasy and wow i am i am too sharp buddy he has been in the nfl since 2016 four touchdowns that's pretty good when do you score them all let's see two and 27 two Uh, of them he has one right. Two of them came in one game. Three of them came in 2017. One of them came in 2019. Yeah, he. Uh, I remember it because my my former coworker, Mr. Tuttle 5 Dan Gasper, he played 100% JD McKissick in uh, a two game slate that Seattle was on back in 2017, and JD McKissick scored twice, and he had 100% of him, and he won 
uh, a shipload of, of money that week. Yeah, McKissick's, I think McKissick's actually a much better play in a more condensed slate, almost like Theo Riddick used to be for the Lions when he would get that that receiving work, because you might luck into the touchdown, but he's always going to be cheap, and his 15 and a half points are good on a short slate for a cheap running back where there are so few options. There's just too many options here. Yeah, I mean, I think that the issue with McKissick is basically what we just said, which is like, this guy is so unlikely to get, you know, 25 DraftKings points or whatever. And there are lots and lots of running backs available this week who have that in their potential range of outcomes. Like, for example, I would fade Duke Johnson and McKissick and go to $4,700 because it's kind of looking iffy if Daryl Henderson's going to play with his thigh injury. Malcolm Brown's 4700 against the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, I, I think... <sighs> I, I know I personally would be tempted by Cam Akers. Why? So I'm Why? Need, what what, what, I'm what, need, would, lead, what so. <laughs> would lead you to believe that Cam Akers is going to be a good play? See, I need you to DM me on Sunday morning if Daryl Henderson is out and be like, Davis, I know you're looking at $4,200 Cam Akers, but don't do it. I'm here as your buddy. Just don't do it. I mean, it's really honestly what it is. It's just seasonal bias because I really liked Cam Akers like, and in Dynasty too. Like I liked him long-term as a player in the NFL, but it's just very much not happening for him. But I mean, I guess I thought I felt the same way about Daryl Henderson last year. So, you know, anything is possible. Hmm. It is a J.D. McKissick revenge game. I just thought of that. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it is. It is a JD McKissick revenge game. So, you know, they, they'll probably throw him a goal line touch. Uh, and Antonio Gibson might not play. Like he is dealing with a shoulder injury right now. I would expect him to play. Yeah, he looks legit questionable. And yeah. they just activated Bryce Love from injured reserve. I would guess it would be Love over Barber just because they don't use Barber anymore at all. So, I mean, I guess the thing is, is it's like one of these, um, Jordan Reed situations from last week. It's like, yeah, he got activated, but I, I don't have any faith in Bryce Love actually being healthy because I have been Lucy with the football with that guy for like two years now. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I would actually probably think that Gibson being out is actually kind of a bull signal for McKissick. And maybe we actually can play McKissick. I don't know. I, I guess I, they have been committed to giving him more carries, which I've been really stunned about. So now, what what if Breda ends up playing? He's only the min. Like, is he the pivot off Mike Davis? No, because I I think that the team. This is actually a sneaky uh, waiver wire thing. I I I'm gonna guess that the plan is actually for them to run with DeAndre Washington as the primary running back this see, week. Okay. I, I think that is. I, I went and got him off the waiver wire too because he was free and no one else wanted him. I was like, yeah, this this I can see the route where they trade for him, they bring him in. But isn't this exactly what we thought with Kansas City? Like, oh my god, if, if Edwards Alaire goes down, like this is the guy you want, then they fucking cut him. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, one hundred percent, you're right about that. I think that the difference here is we have already seen Miami use their running backs in a super random way with Brian Flores as the head coach, right? So we saw them you know, totally mixed things up last year. Who was the guy? I don't even remember who was the guy they had who they had cut mid season, who was like the, the primary running back for them last year, Jay, uh, Mark Walton, right? So Mark, Oh yeah. Mark Walton. I, Mark Walton. They ended up trading Jay Ajayi that year too. Yeah. Well, that was, that was with Gase, right? So last year, um, Balazs starts six games. Laird starts four games. Mark Walton starts four games. Kenyon Drake starts two games. They trade him. Then this year, they start the season with Miles Gaskin after basically like, I mean, basically no one expected this. Like Miles Gaskin didn't have an ADP in a lot of these like best ball championships and stuff. And then 
they make Howard a game day inactive after using him as their primary running back. Then last week, uh, uh, Salvin Ahmed leads them in backfield snaps and rushing attempts. The only running back to get a target was Patrick Laird. They trade for Lynn Bowden Jr., and they don't use him as a running back in that game. They use him as a wide receiver. So I, I, I think that many, many things are possible with the Miami backfield, and DeAndre Washington being the lead running back is, is definitely one of them. The, the issue is you can't use him here. Like I, I'd be waiting to hear what the coach, the coach speak is because all these guys are super cheap, and if you were looking for leverage off Mike Davis and wanted a pay-down option, I don't think it's a terrible matchup. Uh, against the Chargers or even going to the other side of the ball. You got a Balazs revenge game. He's looking good. I feel like people are going to play him at $5,000 if Justin Jackson sits. And then all of a sudden it's Troy Maine Pope might be back this week. So it could be him or all of a sudden like Josh Kelly is resurrected from the dead. I have no idea what the Chargers are doing. Well, Kelly played, uh, Kelly played more snaps last week and he was the one getting the passing game usage. Balazs just looked really good on the ground. If, if Pope is active, I don't think you can play Balazs at all because it's it's I think it would be like all three of those guys play, all three of them project for between 8 and 15 touches, and it's just going to be completely random, uh, you know, if any of them score a touchdown or whatever. So I would be I would be off of um, – I'd be off of Balazs entirely. But if Pope doesn't play and, – and by the way, he was back to practice on Wednesday, um, I think Balazs is like a legit tournament option. You don't think it could be Josh Kelly because they – did come out, Anthony Lynn said, that they would ride the hot hand. So if he looks good on his first carry, maybe he ends up with like 80% of the snaps instead of 52, which he played last week. Well, I mean, I guess my my thing with Josh Kelly is it seems like every week they hate him more and more. Like Justin Jackson immediately comes back from injury and they play him over Josh Kelly. And then Justin Jackson gets dinged up and they play uh Troy Main Pope over Josh Kelly on like passing down and stuff like it like it actively seems like they liked him in the preseason and then now the more they see him play the more bummed out they are on him uh, in terms of value, I don't want to give too much away from the FDNDaily.com projections. You can access all of these at FDNDaily.com, code Mayo. You can find that in the description of this video and podcast. You just want the quick link over to it. Uh, the guy that we just kind of glossed over, we did discuss James Robinson a little bit, but a guy who projects out even better than him, off the injury report, and that's only happened in week one and week seven so far this year, is Josh Jacobs. And I think that people are getting fed up with him enough that it's now to the point where he might actually come in low owned. I mean, yeah, it could be, it could be for someone else. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't believe I've played Jacobs yet this year. And um, I don't think that I will be here. I have yet to play him as well. And I felt like a big moron when he was the chalk week one and he absolutely went off with three touchdowns. And then yeah. Not playing his him. Best, every, his best game of the year. Yeah. And not playing him every, not, not trying to chase those, but it was like the chase Claypool thing. I finally played Claypool last week against the Cowboys for the first time all year. But I just didn't want to come off it like, oh, he has the price increase. I'm just going to chase all these points. And like, no, it's not how you do it. You do the opposite of that and you'll be good. Anyway, let's move on to receivers. Um, at the top of wide receiver this week, Devontae Adams comes in. $9,000 actually seems like where he should be priced every single week. I think the last time you were on, we kind of talked about how, you know, at $7,000 or $7,500, you just play him every time, regardless of whether he has a good game or not. It's a good process because he should be $9,000 every single week. That 
when he goes off, he absolutely smashes the slate. But he goes from 9,000 down to 77 with Hopkins, then Metcalf, Diggs, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen. Those are your guys above 7,000. Cooper Cup is looking a bit iffy to play now with a wrist and or oblique injury. McVay says one thing. The injury report says another. McLaurin, no one's going to play him uh, this week. Uh, Then you have Will Fuller, Robert Woods, Lockett, Fulgham, Tyler Boyd, Mike Evans, Chark, who you had mentioned before with Jair Alexander likely to be on him, Robbie Anderson, Juju, Chris Godwin. That's your 6K and up level. Do you have any specific preferences of any of these guys? Yeah, I mean, the guy you most want to play here is Metcalf. He's the one who will be not owned, and he is the one who can get 40, right? And and every single week, people find a reason to talk themselves out of DK Metcalf. Last week, it was, um, oh, what's the name of the bill? Tredavious White. And uh, the week before, it was uh, San Francisco is a, a slot funnel, I think. And this week, it will be that Jalen Ramsey is going to be covering DK Metcalf. Let me, let, me, let me make this very clear for everyone, for all, of the, for all the Pat Mayo listeners. There is literally not one cornerback in the NFL who can do anything about DK Metcalf. If, if DK Metcalf has a bad game, it will not be because some cornerback was draped all over him. It will just be bad luck and variance. Like just every week, DK Metcalf is is the best GPP play because he never exceeds ten percent, and he has that you know the, he has the same ceiling weekly as Devontae Adams. So, can you play him as a one off, or does he have to be a part of this game stack? I think he is a, an amazing one off actually because we are seeing now. Russell Wilson priced at 7,700. So that's getting to the point where like maybe 30 points doesn't even do it in terms of getting into an optimal lineup. And everyone from this game uh, is, I think, very expensive. I mean, other than Lockett. And Lockett is go- Lockett himself is going to garner so much ownership that Metcalf becomes an even better one-off because Lockett is the one who is going to be stacked more often with Russell Wilson in tournaments making the, making the Metcalf one-off you know, give you a bunch of leverage on your opponent's stack. So I think Metcalf is both a great stack and a great one-off. All right, so what else do we do here? Like, we have the Arizona Bills game. Do you take the primary pieces and Diggs and Hopkins and throw those guys together? Or do you look for the periphery pieces? Like, do you take a Christian Kirk? Do you take a Chase Edmonds? Do you want, you had mentioned Cole Beasley before, maybe John Brown in a revenge game against the Cardinals. I don't know. I, I don't know what to do with that game or even what quarterback to play. So I think that just sort of my my holistic strategy this week is I love these wide receivers so much, right? I love Metcalf. I love the two Los Angeles wide receivers. I love Kirk. I love John Brown. I love Diggs. And that is why, um, that is a huge reason why I am going to be so invested in Mike Davis and Duke Johnson and some of these cheaper tight ends because I want to I want to find ways to get those. I want to find, you know, as many ways as possible to get those cheap uh, those cheap running backs in and these expensive wide receivers in. Terry McLaurin, no one wants him. 6800 bucks. everyone is scared to death of Alex Smith. But when you just look at weighted opportunity in the league right now, I mean, Richie James kind of throws this all off because of his one good game. So he actually leads in both weighted market share and air yards. Then it's Devontae Adams. Then it's Terry McLaurin. They're not throwing to anyone else. Like, I feel as a one-off at someone no one is going to own, he still possesses so much. We saw it last week against the Giants. He can just take one to the house at any time. That that is the sort of guy, I think, at low, like when we talked about ownership earlier, I think it's good at identifying this type of player in particular. A lot like Tyreek Hill last week. Like, whenever Tyreek Hill is projected at less than 
7% ownership, regardless of the matchup, just play him because he's a guy who can break the slate. I feel like McLaurin's the same guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, look, just look at where he's sandwiched at in terms of salary. Mike Thomas, going to garner ownership. Keenan Allen, going to garner a lot of ownership. Cooper Cup, part of the chalkiest game stack of the week. Will Fuller, people love Will Fuller. Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett. Like, I mean, he just is sandwiched in between so many guys who feel more warm and fuzzy to click on than he does, right? So I, I'm I'm 100% with you. I mean, I think McLaurin looks like he just sort of a, a textbook good tournament play. Uh, Eagles offense. They're getting guys back. Alshon might even be back this week. Who who would have thought? Oh, kill, kill me, dude. Kill me. But I do think that this could be a potential buying opportunity for Travis Fulgham, who has been out of this world good since he became a starter this season. I believe in like points per game since he has been the receiver one on the Eagles. He is number three in fantasy points per game. So he's either wildly underpriced at $6,400 or because everyone is returning, he's wildly overpriced at $6,400. I can't quite figure it out, but he's another guy that no one is going to use with the same sort of massive ceiling. Man, I love Fulgham. I, I like Fulgham and Rager both in this spot. Like, I think they both look like really good tournament plays. And Fulgham, to me, I mean, th- like, when I go back and watch the games on Wednesday mornings, like, I, I like to, you know, kind of skip through the All-22. And he, to me, looks just as good as, you know, one of the 10 best wide receivers in the NFL. Like, he is burning guys one-on-one. He's making contested catches. He is, like, the first read in the end zone. Uh, and and Wentz, when it like in the red zone, if he sees Fulgham one on one, he like calls the hot route and just throws it to Fulgham. Like it's like the organization is like, oh my god, we just found our new wide receiver one for the next five years on the waiver wire. Like it's crazy how good he's been. What do you do with the Carolina guys? We're worried about Curtis Samuel stealing some touches, but that's more from like Mike Davis than anything. And maybe DJ Moore gets impacted from this too. There's the weird split that whenever Russell Okun starts, that DJ Moore goes absolutely off. So maybe you just watch the injury report on that. But both Moore and Robbie Anderson cracked 100 yards receiving against Tampa in week two. Uh, I think they're all. I think they're all good plays because they are all good leverage plays off of Mike Davis, right? Any any DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel touchdowns mean that they're not going to Mike Davis, and it means that they are hurting your opponent. So, like, lineups without Mike Davis, I think you should be playing all of these guys probably. Like, I think they should all garner ownership. So the advice is everyone above $6,000 at receiver, play them. So I'm glad we yes. were able to help uh-huh. Yeah, just jam. All of them look good, so play all of them. So how do we actually narrow this down? Because I do think that's the most difficult part of this slate this week is all of these receivers are in good spots. There's like 17 of them. How do you narrow mm-hmm. this down? Yeah, I mean, I will just give my personal preference of, of exposure. It's going to be DK Metcalf at the top. It's going to be Diggs, number two. It's going to be Hopkins, number three. It's going to be Woods, number four. going to be Cup, number five. And then after that, I will just kind of see how things fly. But those are those are the guys that I am making a a real priority to get in lineups, both in stacks and in one-offs. I don't know what I'm going to do here. Michael Thomas, I do find very intriguing because I do think he is yeah, a player I, that no it, one is going to use. Yeah, it seems it seems crazy, right? Because he's he is not in the he is not in the game that's going to go nuts, right? He like that game's not going to have a lot of ownership in in like holistically, and he's been quote-unquote bad this year where he just really hasn't he got hurt in the first game and they didn't really need him in the second game and uh i mean he's michael thomas right this this guy we're used to seeing him priced at nine thousand. so 
I, I think there's a chance that like not being in on Michael Thomas this week, like just feels historically stupid on Monday morning. I will definitely grant that. 5k range. Is there anyone better than Devonte Parker at 5k? Certainly not via projections. Like we have, we have Devonte Parker at daily Roto projected like a top 12 wide receiver. I think you could probably make an argument based on ownership and stuff though, that Christian Kirk or Jerry Judy is the best play here because they have access to, in Kirk's case, the highest total of the week. In Judy's case, it wouldn't be unreasonable to project him for like a 28% target share or something. Uh, but Parker... He is a bit banged up, and I do think that Tim Patrick, a week after playing, like he missed the game, played through, was a bit gimpy last week with the hamstring injury, that that's probably the preferred Broncos receiver I would go to this week, and he's cheaper. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of like all of the Broncos skill position players. I like, I think they're all so talented. I think that the only fly in the ointment really is Drew Locke. But I, I mean, Judy to me finally looks like a star, like finally looks like the guy that everyone thought he was coming out of Alabama. I, and maybe this game script is not the right one. You know, maybe this ends up being a, a more run heavy game script for both teams. But I, I do really like Judy here. Uh, Steelers guys, I just don't know. One one of them feels like they're going to go off. Couldn't tell you which one. Yeah, I, I I would probably say Claypool for me seems like the the guy who's most likely to you know get get you know thirty eight or whatever. But Deontay Johnson at fifty two hundred. I mean, he is so involved when he is healthy that he looks pretty strong. And then with the Bengals guys on the other side, like Boyd is the most logical because the routes that he runs, although. Pittsburgh has been weirdly victimized by big plays, which would actually lead me to T. Higgins. Yeah, I, T. Higgins. You don't have to talk me into T. Higgins. I, I love T. I mean, he he has been he has been the the best uh, per target guy on on that offense all season, and he also to me seems like the guy most likely to have a double uh, double digit touchdown game. I'm just trying to think. Like, or a double, double touchdown, not double-digit touchdowns. I mean, why not double-digit? Put it this way. If he scores double-digit touchdowns this week, you're probably going to need him. Yeah, he will be in the winning lineup if he scores double-digit touchdowns. Sub-5K. Uh, who, who are the two or three guys that you can see plugging into your lineups? Well, I mean, one of them's got to be Jakeem Grant, right? I mean... Are, are we sure it's Jakeem Grant? Are we positive? No. That? No, not positive at all. I think that they'll play a lot of two tight end stuff. They will rotate in Malcolm Perry. They will rotate in this fella, Kirk Merritt, uh, Mac Holland. So I think that, I think that Jakeem Grant has paths to still playing like less than 50% of the snaps or whatever. But that being said, 3000, he should play enough. He should get a couple targets. I mean, the Hamler, you just mentioned, uh, I got to bring up my boy, LaVisca Chenault, who may was really not, expanding. May or, may or may not play play yeah as a hamstring injury but before that injury his playing time was way up his results were not great in week six and seven but those were his highest playing time games of the year he'd gotten over 70 percent of the snaps for the first time and uh you know this green bay defense really they're not very good uh hamler i think again is a guy that you can play in tournaments and then jalen rager at 4200 to me even if alshon does play uh is a guy i want exposure to in tournaments uh for sure I was going to say that last week I ended up on uh, David Moore a bunch just because I wanted the cheaper piece of that game. I thought it was nice. I mean, I didn't use Metcalf. I tried to figure out a way to make my teams different by using Tower Lockett and someone else. Instead of Metcalf, I went to David Moore to save that money. 
on those teams that didn't end up cashing because they had Tyler Lockett on them. I think this week, Josh Reynolds is the guy on the Rams that you want to go to. He's 3,500 bucks. He's been good in their last two games. Uh, all of a sudden, they've gone from playing a bunch of 12 back to playing a bunch of 11, and that's put Josh Reynolds back on the field, and Cooper Cup is already banged up. Like, why not? 3,500 bucks against Seattle's D? Sounds good. Yeah, because basically they just realized, um, Ty, you know, Tyler Higby's not very good. So we're going to play Josh Reynolds more. We're going to target him more. And uh, that's big time working out for for Mr. Reynolds. I, I agree. I think that Reynolds is going to be a very underlooked part of these game stacks. Yeah, the, the only other ones I can kind of think about, we'll talk about like full game stacks in a minute. But yeah, Jakeem Grant, Josh Reynolds would probably be the two in the $3,000 area that do the most for me. The one good thing about Grant, too, is that maybe you look into a like a kickoff return touchdown or something. He's just a big play guy that he doesn't necessarily need to do that much or have that many opportunities. He just needs to seize one. Like my old theory about Ted Ginn, where if you just play Ted Ginn every week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Ted Ginn, your you're, boy. You're going to backdoor your way into a two touchdown game. And that two touchdown game is going to come with like 170 yards yeah i i mean i i think that that theory plays out for jakeem grant for sure because if he does if he does score it's probably going to be one of those very long so what yeah it's probably a 60 yard touchdown or whatever uh the only other one i can really think of is if we get into a situation where chenault is out and you do fear that Jair Alexander is going to be lockdown coverage on DJ Chark, although that didn't seem to matter for Luton. He was just like, yeah, I don't care if he's covered it. I'm just going to throw to him. That then Keelan Cole and or Chris Conley would have some value against the Packers. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Conley, Keelan Cole, either one of those guys seems like fine puns to me, especially because we think that, uh, you know, we, we think that Jacksonville should throw, you know, 40 plus times in this game. I, I'm with that for sure. And, and they don't even have D.D. Westbrook to make active and put the fly in the ointment either. True. And I guess my favorite, like, safer guy, probably lowest upside, I used him a bunch last week. He was on that lineup that did really well for me. You know, seven for 77, nothing to scoff at. and Maybe he can find the end zone. Looks like Kenny Galladay is going to be out again. Just why is Danny Amendola still below $4,000? Yeah, I, dude, Matt Stafford loves to throw the ball to Danny Amendola. That's a very real thing. And you have Lazard, who looks like he could be coming back, too, at 4K. Yeah, and he probably actually does not garner enough ownership because he was, he was like, actually crushing before he got hurt. Like, he was, like, a huge part of their offense. So if you want to take a swing for the fence here, you could go Lazard, Amendola, those two with Mike Davis, and then basically you have full option of anyone else you want on this slate for the rest of your lineup. Yeah, and that is that is why I think we are going to see some incredible ownerships this week. Like some guys are just going to get so high. All right, well, let's talk about tight end then, because if that's the case, that means that the chalky, cheap tight end probably isn't going to be a thing. I mean, but there's no one really to pay up for. Is the problem? Are you, well, you gonna yeah. pay, are you going to pay up for Waller at 59? Like, how has that worked out for people? Uh, I mean, he's been okay, right? That's the thing. He's been okay. Yeah, only only one game with 20 or more DraftKings points. It was that crazy New Orleans game. I, I mean, I think we do see, like, uh, artificially inflated Waller ownership just because people feel safety with him. But then who is the tight end play this week? Like, I can't quite figure it out. I don't like any of these guys. Uh, I mean, Fant, 
Hawkinson. I, I actually, I actually, my, my zigzag take is that Jordan Reed wasn't quite 100% healthy last week. They were getting shit canned. So they limited his snaps, but if they're able to be competitive in this game, I think that Jordan Reed should play a lot of the passing downs and see uh, his targets per route run go back to where they were weeks one through three. But even in weeks one through three, his snap share in routes run were actually weighed down in comparison to basically everyone else on the field filling in for Kittle. It's just that when he was out there running routes, they threw him the ball. Yeah, that's what I care about. I care I care way more about targets per route run than I do about total routes run, especially with tight ends, because all you want with a tight end is a touchdown. Like if 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 you get a tight end touchdown, really doesn't matter. I mean, obviously not if you play Kelsey, Kittle, or Waller, but like if you play Eric Ebron and he scores, you're happy. If you play Ross Dwelly and he scores, you're happy. If you play Jordan Reed, he scores, you're happy. And I think that Reed looks like a guy with a, uh, his touchdown odds seem to be better to me than the market would expect. Are we sure it's not going to be Mike Gusecki who ends up getting the final of these targets that Preston Williams is going to be giving up? Well, uh, I keep telling myself that with Kasiki, and he's out there the whole game. It's not like he ever leaves the field. He just play, plays 85% of the snaps every single week, and uh, he's had a, a brutal targets per route run year. I mean, he is one of the worst tight ends in terms of being targeted while he's running routes. He has only two touchdowns on the year, uh, only 22 receptions. I mean, I think it's possible, but, I mean, literally – uh, over half of his fantasy points for the year came in one game against Buffalo. And I, I don't, I like Mike Kosicki, but I just, I don't know if he's got that same ceiling that we thought he did at the beginning of the season. So I think you either include your tight end as a bring back or as a part of your main percent. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Or the one I actually do, the two that I actually like, just objectively. I like Austin Hooper at 3,900 bucks if he returns from his appendicitis. That's a very good price uh, in a game where that's just not a piece that people are going to be going to. And then Logan Thomas, that maybe Alex Smith can make Logan Thomas a thing finally. Uh, Alex Smith, in, in his past, has loved himself a tight end or two. I mean, hey, look, I am like the foremost Logan Thomas guy. I play this guy all the time. And he is basically the same thing as Mike Kosicki. He plays every single snap. He never leaves the field. He is gets has a terrible targets per route run, but he has no games with less than four targets the whole season. Um, and he's basically the number two wide receiver for them if you look at routes run and targets. So I, I think that Logan Thomas looks super strong at 3,300 for, for tournaments. And for, like I mean, I think you can play him in cash too. Quarterbacks, uh, any quarterback you would play as a part of a non-stack this week? Any any naked anyone? Uh, Cam one. not on the slate? No, there's only one I can think of, actually. And I, and I would end up stacking him because there's a very logical person to do it to. But Josh Allen by himself, if the touchdowns sure. don't, don't go to digs, then you can save yourself a lot of headache by just having Josh Allen. Uh, yes, that Josh Allen to me looks like the one guy you could do, but I would still not, I would still play Diggs or Brown or, or, uh, Kirk or whoever. So if we look at the overall totals in these games, you keep pointing to that game. The Arizona Buffalo game is the highest total on the slate 56 and a half right now. We know that's going to be the most popular one to game stack. I would guess that the Rams and Seahawks are second after that. It's 55 and a half. Will people use Goff as a part of their stacks? My guess is actually no. Like generally speaking in this spot, because we because people now they have the memory of Jimmy Garoppolo just being terrible in this spot, right? And now they go, well, okay, now I don't, now I change my mind. I don't want to use a bad or mediocre or average quarterbacks against the Seahawks defense. But 
I mean, Goff could have like 50 dropbacks in this game. I so I I do want to stack off personally. Who do you stack him with then? Because Cup is injured, but he's been the more productive. Robert Woods just scores every week. Like, would it be Goff? Could you do Goff, Woods, Reynolds, Metcalf, Lockett, and or Carson if he ends up going? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Sir Robert of Trees. I, I love that guy. I think that he is, uh, just historically speaking, one of the like. I mean, he is so underrated. He is the, I, I believe, the wide receiver eleven in PPR scoring right now. And and people talk about him like he's like a, a boom bust wide receiver three or something. Like he crushes. The other game that I really have a lot of stack interest in, and mainly because I think it's going to be low owned and it's currently off the board, so people aren't looking at totals for it. Feels to me like there's going to be a lot of points in either Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, or Cleveland and Houston. Like those two games in particular. Uh, I I like the I like the Cleveland Houston game. I think that one seems interesting because everyone in that game is so cheap. Like you you can and you could do expensive one offs um, yeah, with but, that game, which but, is but one of the it, keys of a game stack. What what is the stack there? Is it Watson, Cooks, Fuller, Chubb, maybe Hooper too? If you want to save some money. I mean, Landry is dirt cheap. Hooper is really cheap. Like, there are a lot of different ways you can go. I don't know if I would want to take the Cleveland passing game. Uh, it said that, so overall, that's probably true, but I think it might be so condensed, right? Because they said they're going to cut Njoku if they can't find a trade for him. Uh, they have Hooper. They have no Odell Beckham. Like, I think that they they might target, like, 80% of their passes to five guys. Hmm. Do you have anything anything with that Steelers game? I mean, the Cincinnati should throw like a crazy amount of passes, so that does seem interesting. But I mean, I I gotta admit, you know, ninety uh, percent of my GPP stuff is gonna be centered around Buffalo, Arizona, um, Seattle, LA. Like, I and I just I just think that those look like the the two clear best spots of the week. They do. I guess the other one, just because it's so condensed at this moment, is the Chargers-Dolphins. Like, you use Herbert Allen and throw in other piece that you would want and bring it back with Parker, and that's where the ball should be going in that game. I I actually would be on board with that one because, like, everyone is so cheap on the Miami side, and we have seen the Chargers play like all of these crazy games, right? 42, 43, 43 pass attempts for Herbert over his last three games. Like they, they throw, they are willing to throw the ball a ton. I'm interested in that one. I I really have to, I'll have my cheat sheet out on dkplaybook.com a little bit later in the week, probably Saturday morning. Once I really narrow these down, but these are the thoughts that are going through my head. Like I I would love to stack Carson Wentz with his guys against the giants, but I'm I'm not going to do that. That seems foolish with a 44 game total when there are 56 point game totals on the slate. Yeah, I mean, it's like that's where you start to like level yourself. It's just like, well, well, no one's gonna play it, and then you're like, uh, oh man, eleven, uh, uh, only eleven percent of people stacked uh, the Rams offense or whatever. And then you're like, great, I just I have this stack that is thirty points worse than my opponents because I I wanted to be the only one with it. Defense. Who's the defense? Who are we using? Oh, the defense. Uh, I, I <laughs> so that my my instant thought opening the slate was like, oh, I'm just gonna play the Panthers defense because Brady is like the worst ever. But I, I mean, obviously, I don't think that you really want to ride with that. I think the Lions defense, just because like Alex Smith is gonna toss all these interceptions and take all these sacks. Um, and then I think the 
uh, Browns defense because Deshaun Watson takes all these sacks. And then the Saints looks like a huge bargain because this is like the preseason version of the San Francisco 49ers, and it's a, it's a home game for the Saints. So Saints D, what, what, how much are Saints D? They're only... 3,000? Yeah, that seems pretty good. I actually kind of like the footballs at, at the Lions. I just like their pressure rate. Yeah. It's so high. They get they get so many they get so many sacks. They can never be a bad play because sacks lead to interceptions and they lead to fumbles and all the stuff we want for, for our defenses. Uh, highest pressure rate right now on this slate uh, throughout the course of the year. It's Pittsburgh by far over everyone else. That it's Tampa, Denver, Washington, and Philly. Philly against the Giants could be sneaky here because I just think the the Eagles in general and the NFC East in general is just off everyone's radar. But regard yeah. and the Giants are probably live too as a defense because this division. Oh, is, I think I think they are for sure. This defense, these yeah, this division is so bad that it seems like no matter who you take from the NFC East as a defense, they're gonna score points because the other teams suck. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, like the Giants' defense isn't any good, but like neither is the Eagles' offensive line. Like. Carson Wentz is going to get sacked four times and and turn the ball over twice. Uh, the only one I'm, I'm very curious to see where the ownership ends up falling on this, but Rams D at home against Seattle is only twenty two hundred bucks. I don't care if Seattle scores forty five points; like that could be two touchdowns for them with the with the lack of offensive line for the Seahawks. That could be an easy six sacks against Russell Wilson and. You know, Buffalo barely generated pressure against them last week, got to him and forced turnovers. I think the Rams defensive line can do that too. Yeah. I mean, and not only that, like not only are they going to face a bunch of face, a bunch of pass attempts, which we know is like, basically that's the thesis statement for defenses, but you're gaining huge leverage on the field. If something goes crazy, like imagine, uh, imagine if you had uh, the bills defense last week and you're just like, laughing you're like you're just laughing so hard at how bad russell wilson is playing and you are like profiting from it and you know your opponents are on tilt it's it's like the best all right that's it pat mayo experience week 10 DraftKings picks davis what's going on over daily roto uh yeah i mean we have our uh our projections the optimizer all that stuff going on over there uh you can get all you can get 10 percent off of our uh package using the promo code matic and uh, then, of course, listen to the TakeCast because the TakeCast is really good. Pat will tell you. This is true. You should subscribe to the TakeCast just like you should for the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. You're watching the video. Smash the like. Tell me your Mike Davis thoughts in the comment section. I'll be back on Friday evening. Cut Sweats live for the Masters. We'll see if the cut actually even happens on a Friday night, but we're going to be live anyway around like 3 p.m. Then I'll have my NFL injury show, and I'll be taking your questions in the comment section of that, updating the rankings and projecting out the DraftKings ownership. Then I'll be back live Sunday morning, 10 a.m. with Brad Evans, taking your questions and providing a final update heading into the week. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.